get it. Wednesday, July 17th, 2019. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. I, uh, right before I recorded, I could, couldn't find my headphones, and here they were right in front of me. Uh, if you know anything about me, you're not surprised. Hope everyone outside of podcast land had a great week. Uh, I did. I drove by my soon-to-be new house and saw that the roof is on the house. Um, as you know, I've been I've been talking about my uh, new home that I'm currently building. Um, 90 days before you close, and I'm currently pre-qualified. Roughly 90 days before you close, around that time, you do a walkthrough before the drywall goes on in. So I got another month before that. When now, as some home buyers know, uh, when you buy a home that's currently on the market, uh, you should pre-qual and then start the loan process the moment your offer is accepted. Uh, building a home is a little different. Um, I have to wait. I have to wait till it's uh, 90 days from being completed before I can actually apply. So it's just a little nerve wracking. That's all. But like I said, uh, since this is a VA home loan on a new home buy, uh, I'm going to keep you abreast of the entire process. So, so hopefully you all can learn. And if I make a mistake, well, y'all are going to know when I know and hopefully not make the same mistake. So not much feedback for episode 153. Uh, I've had uh, some ratings, but no reviews since the 4th of July. What a patriot, by the way, doing it on the 4th of July, mid, probably amid fireworks. However, we currently are up to 55 ratings and 29 reviews for a to- grand total of 84 ratings and reviews. Ladies and gentlemen, we are 16 away from that bonus episode of Air Force veteran Adrian Cronauer of Good Morning Vietnam fame, interviewing the one, the only producer, actor, comedian, and Army veteran, Mel Brooks. We get to 100, I'll drop that episode in a heartbeat. It's a good one. So I got one press release today and a couple other bits of information. So the first one is for immediate release, VA's Vet Success on Campus program marks 10th anniversary. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment, the VRNE service, in June celebrated a decade of the Vet Success on Campus program, otherwise known as VSOC, which supports service members, veterans, and eligible dependents as they complete their education and obtain viable careers. The VSOC program, which provides dedicated vocational rehabilitation counselors on VSOC school locations to support eligible students, began as a pilot initiative at the University of South Florida in 2009, and since then has expanded to support 104 schools across the country. There's a quote from the, our Secretary Robert Wilkie talking about how great the VSOC program is. And then it says VSOC assists participants. It's a lot of sis by helping to guide their career paths, reach educational and career targets, and access their VA benefits. Last year, the VSOC program assisted over 44,000 participants in pursuit of their educational goals through on-campus benefits assistance and counseling. For more information on the VSOC program, visit www.benefits.va.gov forward slash V-O-C-R-E-H-A-B, Voc Rehab, forward slash VSOC, V-S-O-C dot A-S-P. You know, I've never heard of this VSOC program, and it sounds like to me another great opportunity 
for a benefits breakdown. If it's not already in the archives, I got to check on that. And the other bit of information is a story from blogs.va.gov. Um, this August 26th through 29th, nearly 2,000 VA and DOD care teams, leaders, allies, and subject matter experts from across the country will convene at the 2019 VA DOD Suicide Prevention Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Since its inception in 2004, this annual conference has been an important forum for sharing best practices, key research findings, and policy updates in the suicide prevention field. This year's conference theme is Many Roles, One Mission, which emphasizes that everyone has a role to play in preventing suicide among service members and veterans. Guided by the National Strategy for Preventing Veteran Suicide and the Department of Defense Strategy for Suicide Prevention, attendees of the VA DOD Suicide Prevention Conference will continue to build on the public health strategies that VA and the DOD apply at the facility, community, and state levels. To learn more about the efforts of VA's Office of Mental Health and Suicide Prevention, visit www.mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash suicide underscore prevention. And if you look for this story, it is on blogs.va.gov. Just search for VA DOD announced 2019 Suicide Prevention Conference, and you can read the whole story. All right. So this week's episode is a benefits breakdown episode. I'm going to try and do one of these once a month since I saw how much feedback I got uh, back in episode 150 on the VA home loan. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about the VA Center of Faith and Opportunity Initiative. And I'm just gonna, from now on, I'm just going to say Center of Faith for time's sake. Look, at some point, somebody got smart and realized that a lot of veterans will not contact the VA on their own to learn about its benefits. Uh, I was one of them. Uh, that same somebody, and I don't really know who that somebody is, thought that the best way to reach some veterans were through the local clergy and their communities. That's what the Center of Faith is. It's a resource for clergy within a community to learn about the resources for the veteran part of their flock, if you will. Uh, the Center of Faith's mission is to engage, inform, and educate faith-based nonprofit and community uh, slash neighborhood organizations in VA programs to better serve the needs of veterans, their families, survivors, caregivers, and other beneficiaries. The current leader spearheading this initiative is their acting director. Uh, he's also a Marine veteran, Conrad Washington. Uh, currently in seminary school, we sat down and talked with him, and he explained how his career combined with his faith uh, eventually landed him at the VA secretary's office and ended this current role. And it's a pretty cool story too. So without further ado, let's get to breaking down the VA Center of Faith. Um, so Conrad, I see you in a meeting at least once a week. Um, but I don't know like what your official title is. I know it has something to do with faith and the VA. So, so what is your official title? My official title is the Deputy Director for the Center for Faith and Opportunity Initiative here at the VA. What is that? Well, basically what uh, our mission is is to uh, educate, engage, and inform faith-based nonprofit and community organizations about the VA resources uh, that are available to them and their families and uh, the veterans and beneficiaries. Didn't know the VA got into, into like a faith-based uh, outreach much. Yeah, the executive order uh, was signed uh, May of 2018, uh, changing our name uh, to the Center for Faith. But we initially uh, stood up back in 2004 uh, with the uh, Bush administration. Uh, and there are actually 13 uh, total federal agencies with Centers of Faith. So we're not the only show in town. Yeah. Got you. So you, you have more Centers of Faith, pockets of Centers of Faith out there in the country? 
Well, no. What I mean by that is uh, we have federal agencies. So the VA is one federal agency. So there are a total of 13 federal agencies with offices uh, gotcha. Makes with sense. centers of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. And we collaborate very often. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Conrad, fellow Marine as yep. well. Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> um, what made you join the Marine Corps? So, uh, you know, growing up uh, uh, in Illinois, I uh, was in college and uh, got tired of uh, hanging out and partying. And so I, I left, uh, left the college. And then after I left college, I actually uh, joined the Marine Corps in 1989. It took me exactly two days to join. I walked into the recruiter's office one day and he said, uh, when do you want to leave? Uh, and I said, tomorrow. And I left the day after Christmas uh, in 1989. So uh, why, uh, that why did you want to leave so soon? Well, you know, Tanner, it's two uh, days. Yeah, yeah. So uh, everyone has a journey. And part of my journey uh, was to uh, find out uh, what is that thing that I was designed to do. And uh, when I was sitting there in college and hanging out and having fun and uh, partially studying at the time, uh, I felt that uh, that wasn't my calling. Right. And so I just wanted a bigger challenge. And so uh, my journey began when I joined the Marine Corps. So you just looked at the Marine Corps sign and you were like, that one. Well, I mean, I was in college again. I I love the uh, uh, the uniform of the Marines. Ah, okay. I like what is. they stood for. Uh, yeah. They were always the hardest and the toughest. And so I said, I want to be a part of the most elite that I could uh, at the mm -hmm. time. So, uh, yeah, that drew me to the Marine Corps. Understood. Yeah, yeah. When you started, you know, there's a lot of jobs in the gun club. Yes. Um, but you started like myself. You started in admin, correct? That's right. That's and, right. And then you lap moved into some other MOSs like myself. Um, while you were in... Who was your either your best friend or your greatest mentor? In the Marine Corps? In the Marine Corps. Wow. That's a good question. So, I, I, you know, I think that's a, a tough question because I've met a lot of leaders uh, who I consider uh, my mentor uh, throughout my career. Uh, and I think it, there were numerous ones. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I would say that uh, if I had to throw a name out there, uh, which I don't like throwing names out, but uh, I would say that Sergeant Major Kent uh, was a great mentor for me. He's Sergeant the, Major of the Marine Corps? Yes. Mm. Uh, I knew him uh, uh, before he became a Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. Uh, when I was a Marine Corps drill instructor, I knew him. And uh, he used to always shed information and shed knowledge on us on how to conduct yourself, not just as a Marine or a drill instructor, but as a man. Uh, and so mm. I really appreciated uh, his uh, his counsel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sergeant Major Kent was, uh, was the Sergeant Major when I was up at the Pentagon. Yeah. And uh, – his driver and I went to sergeant's course together. Oh, wow. And so the last memory that I have of Sergeant Major Kent mm. is his, his Dodge Charger driving through the Pentagon parking lot. Mm. And, it, you know, I think it had the, the license plate that Sergeant Major Kent or something. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. knew it was him. Yeah, yeah. Or it was like, uh, I, I can't remember what, what Sergeant Major, like 37th or whatever one he was, 14th mm. Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. Um, but when it rolled down his window, it was his driver. And this was like the last week, and he was in the back seat just living it up, mm. letting his driver drive his personal yeah. charger. So yeah. that's my last memory of Sergeant Major Kent. It was, it was a pretty good yeah, one. Yeah, he's a good, good guy. So you started out as an admin, but you also held a couple different jobs in the Marine Corps. What, what Now, you I, you became a drill instructor, right. did a couple other things. What were some of the things that you did in the Marine Corps? So I was an administrator. Uh, I was also a uh, drill instructor, a senior drill instructor. Uh, where I was responsible for the drill instructors and the recruits, right? Yep. Uh, and then also uh, down the line, I became an instructor at the formal schools because of that uh, drill instructor experience and education I acquired. Uh, so I was able to facilitate courses at the uh, at the academy 
uh, Camp Hansen uh, in Okinawa, Japan. So that was a great experience as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The train the trainer uh, specifically. So that was good. Got you. Um, now, you retired, correct? I did. I did retire. Did you retire out of D.C.? So, sort of. I retired out of Fort Belvoir. Uh, so, Fort Belvoir, Virginia was the base that I retired from. I came in 89, 2009. I retired uh, right at Fort Belvoir. There's a Marine Corps Intelligence School uh, right there at Fort Belvoir. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I was uh, running that uh, as the administrator there. And then uh, then I, I punched my ticket and uh, became a civilian. <laughs> Good times. So you got out in 2009? That's right. That was right in the middle of the recession. It was. What was your transition like? Yeah. Interesting you asked that. So uh, I was able to uh, secure employment right after I retired uh, for about a year. Uh, and then I found myself uh, unemployed uh, for about uh, four or five months. What were you doing as your first job? What was your first gig? My first gig uh, right there in the office, actually <laughs> doing the same thing I did while I was in. Uh, gotcha. they, they transitioned to a civilian job. So uh, I was blessed. Uh, but uh, again, the contract uh, was competed for, uh, didn't win the contract. As a result, uh, I was unemployed uh, for those months. Uh, and that was probably one of the uh, biggest uh, challenges I've had uh, as an adult, uh, just because when you're working all the time and used to receiving, not just paid, but just used to being engaged, and not having that uh, that assignment, so to speak. Uh, There's always that next goal, that yeah, next rank, that, yeah, that next thing yeah, that yeah. you can in the in the military. Yeah, that was tough for me. So that was an adjustment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So what? I mean, so you were so you were unemployed. What, what what was what was happening after that? Like, what? How did you become from? How did you become from unemployed to employed? Yeah. So I was unemployed, and I was applying to probably over 300 positions uh, in the federal government, and I would get interviews. Uh, I would get uh, referred but not hired or not selected, yeah. uh, top candidate, but I just never landed the job. And so uh, what happened, I actually took a position as a security guard, right? Oh, wow. uh, and this is after I retired. I served in combat in 2004. Uh, I was in Palms, 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines, and uh, I had multiple degrees. But uh, I took a job as a security guard at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency uh, in Springfield, Virginia, uh, and uh, the facility was just being uh, built up. And so I had my hard hat on and my uh, steel toe shoes. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was kind of daunting because um, I knew I had uh, uh, skills to do uh, more than what I was doing. But uh, sure. just because of the recession and just uh, I believe that it was uh, kind of like my journey. Right. God, God had a journey for everyone. Right. In my view. So absolutely. Uh, that was part of my journey. And uh, one day I was uh, coming home from the security job. And uh, I got an, got an email from someone uh, who worked at a company called uh, MilitaryHire.com. And so they wanted to hire me. And so they looked at my background and they saw the training. Uh, out of the blue? Like, did you have your job? Did you have your resume posted somewhere? How did they find you? Yeah, I had my resume out there at MilitaryHire.com. Okay. And so they, they, I guess, used keywords. And so uh, as a result, uh, had the interview, went well. And uh, the interesting thing about the story, Tanner, is that the same building that I was a security guard in is the same building that I was the uh, national trainer for the entire agency on security education and awareness. So uh, that was you, pretty unique. You went from a security guard there to actually training all the security That's guards. That's right. Well, uh, not just security guards, but uh, federal employees. Sure. So it was uh, high level. And uh, a lot of people said, I know you from somewhere. I said, yeah, I used to be the guy down there <laughs> at the security gate, you know. And so uh, – <laughs> You know, uh, it's amazing. Uh, kind of, kind of, kind of an interesting story. Uh, and from there, I uh, I worked that job for about three years. 
And then I came into the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs in 2013, uh, where I worked in the Corporate Senior Executive Management Office uh, for four and a half years, mm. right? Uh, and I don't know if I ever told this story, but if we have time, I'll share with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. That's the great thing about podcasts is that there's always time for interesting content. Okay. I'll share with you that uh, during my time in uh, in CMO uh, here in the VA, uh, it, when I came in 2013, I actually felt like I was being called to go do different things. I wanted to go work somewhere else, but I didn't know where yeah. you know that was. But I know that my time was expiring uh, in CMO just because I started to get antsy. You know, and meanwhile, uh, during this time, I was called to the ministry. I'm in seminary, so I'm preaching and teaching God's word, and I just felt a strong. And this was on your off, like not yes. normal job. You were, right. you were also as a, a pastor somewhere. Preacher, yes. As a yes. preacher. Yeah. So I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to be doing something else. I don't know what that is. And so my wife and I visited another state, and uh, in visiting that state, we ran across a Marine who was selling homes. And uh, he said, hey, you'll be a great salesman. You have the gift of the gab. I said, well, I'm a preacher. He said, oh, hey, you'll be good. You, you ought to sell homes. And we love the state that we want to move to. And so uh, I said, hey, I'm going to apply for that position because I had no qualms with leaving the government because uh, I felt that I was being called to do something different. Mm. And so I applied for the position. Actually, I was interviewed before I applied for the position, uh, which is kind of odd. Uh, but uh, long story short, I did not get the position. Uh, part of the requirement for the position was to buy a pickup truck because you were selling homes. You need a pickup truck. And I was like, I don't even like pickup trucks. Why do you need a pickup truck to sell homes? So you had two tracks in the uh, in the uh, housing. Uh, one track was to sell homes, and the other one was the uh, project manager. Okay. So I was going to sell homes, but I also wanted to be a project manager. So you would go around to the various home sites and inspect them and, and, and different things. So you would require – they required a, a pickup truck. For yeah. like tools and stuff? Tools and different things you had to do. You had to carry uh, equipment sometimes uh, and, and things like that. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but again, Interesting. I, yeah, it is. But I, I didn't even like pickup trucks. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't get the position and I'm scratching my head, you know, asking why, what's going on. And um, a few weeks later, uh, a guy who worked at the office of the secretary put my name in the hat for a position and asked what I'd be interested in. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not too certain because there's a lot of uh, confusion uh, in that office right now uh, at, at that time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I prayed about it and I uh, I accepted the the opportunity to uh, to compete, uh, which I did, and I was hired. Uh, it was a lateral move. Uh, and then uh, as I uh, went to the office of the secretary to work, uh, I worked for uh, a, a woman who, uh, who had very uh, high goals and very fast pace. And, uh, and so I stopped. I said, well, ma'am, I'll work for you. I, I'm, I'm loyal to you, but I need you to know that what you're asking me to do, uh, what you want me to do is really outside of the parameters of the position description. Uh, and this is only because of the experience that I gained in uh, that office called CMO for four and a half years. Yeah. And she said, well, let's find out what we have to do. And so uh, they changed the grade of the, uh, of the position and I was promoted uh, based on my experience in education uh, and knowledge. Uh, and so that happened. And then uh, as we were, moving around to various offices, learning about the staff offices, uh, we came across the office called the Center for Faith here in the VA. And so uh, obviously, uh, you know, being a licensed minister preaching in a seminary, I was like, wow, I would love to be in this office. This is, an interest. Yeah, this is like, this is cool. And so uh, just so happened they had a vacancy and, uh, and here I am, you know, and then the, the guy who ran this office, uh, Mr. Dillard, uh, he actually was called uh, to uh, run the uh, Center for Minority Veterans 
which gave me an opportunity to really uh, put my stamp on this office, and I'm very grateful to be here. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, one, <laughs> what car do you drive if you're not a truck guy? I'm a truck guy. <laughs> you're a truck guy? I'm a truck guy. Yeah, I'm a sports car guy. Gotcha. What do you drive? <laughs> I drive a old sports car. How's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Old sports car. Ford, Chevy. Were you a Ford, Chevy guy? No, it's Dodge. Just, yeah, it's one of those foreign cars, but it's not all yeah. that sporty. It's it's, it's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's it's a work in progress. It's, it's a, work a work in progress, right? T- ten year old, ten year old car. Gotcha, gotcha. It's ten years old. Yeah. Gotcha. And and two, what is your current mission? What's your current drive? What's what's your current focus? And the 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 center of faith. So, Tanner, my current focus right now is to reach as many veterans as I can. You know, we have 20 million veterans in the United States, uh, and I want to reach as many as I can through the faith-based nonprofit and community organizations, linking them to all the services that the VA has. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing I would say is that uh, based on the 20 veterans we have per day taking their life, uh, that's uh, an astronomical uh, number. Absolutely. And I think that uh, we can make a difference when we work together at the federal, state, and local level. Uh, and I think that it's uh, all hands on deck. And so I'm working with Dr. Keita Franklin, who's the uh, suicide prevention uh, executive director for the VA, uh, on how we can uh, roll out uh, initiatives. And the president signed uh, recently, March 5th, an executive order uh, roadmap, uh, which uh, instituted a task force. Uh, and uh, Secretary Wilkie is the co-chair. And he's assigned Ms. Wendy Laxco from the uh, suicide prevention office to uh, to be the executive director and head that up. Uh, and we're working with her so that we can work together to ensure that we uh, meet the needs of our veterans and their families to to eliminate suicide uh, because it's uh, it's something that's preventable, uh, you know. And I think when we work together at every level, uh, we have a shot at, uh, at at diminishing it. Got you. So that's uh, so that's your mission. What are some of the things your office is doing to achieve that mission? So a couple of things, as I mentioned, we, we're, we're part of not so much the task force, but we're working with uh, the roadmap that the president signed, the executive order. Uh, we're also on the consortium uh, that Dr. Keita Franklin has, which uh, has a bunch of uh, offices and centers to work together to eliminate suicide. Uh, we have numerous events throughout the entire year, uh, which we uh, actually uh, coordinated suicide prevention training coordinator uh uh, with uh, VHA at every event that we have to bring awareness to suicide prevention so that clergy are being trained nationwide as well. Uh, so we're just doing a number of things to to help with the suicide, homelessness, and various uh, issues and just make sure that our veterans and their family and beneficiaries know that uh, the VA, the second largest federal agency, has mm-hmm. something for you that can change your life and help you. What are some of the things, what are some of the things that your office is doing to for that outreach, how are you able to connect to that clergy? What are some of the things that uh, your office is doing? Yeah. So as I mentioned, part of the the, the connection or the relationship uh, with that clergy is first is uh, here in the Center for Faith, things are relational. Mm. Uh, that means that, uh, you know, people want to hear, touch, and feel you. Uh, being in ministry uh, outside of the government, I understand that. Uh, so that when I speak to pastors and clergy, uh, I make it my business to listen uh, because they are in the service business. And oh, by the way, so is the VA, right? So there's a connection there. Gotcha. Uh, and then we, uh, we, we ask and uh, uh, really uh, 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 accept uh, their receptiveness to have uh, the suicide prevention training uh, for them so that they can understand 
the different steps that uh, that go into a veteran uh, contemplating taking their own life. Some of the signs. That's right, signs and, and all that, absolutely, and what to do. And so uh, that's the second thing. The third thing is I want to make sure that when we connect to the clergy that they know they have a place to go. Uh, where's their local VA medical center? We want to be able to help them connect uh, with that VA medical center or CBOC. Uh, so that they are uh, well informed of all the uh, uh, resources for them to help that veteran and their family. So you help them make the clergy aware of the the local VA medical center and some That's of the right. some of the facilities. That That's are, right. Some of the resources that are available to yeah. them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Conrad, what's one thing that you learned in service that you use today? <laughs> Organization. There's a lot of things. You know. Uh, you know. The word leadership gets thrown around a lot, but if you really uh, look it up in the dictionary. It says that it ha- a leader is a person who has the ability to influence others. And so uh, that's much different than a manager. And so uh, growing up in the Marine Corps, I learned how to influence people. And uh, I'm not the only one. There are some great leaders, yeah. military and non-military. Uh, so the greatest thing I learned was how to be a leader and to be organized. Uh, there's a six Ps you may be familiar with. So I use that daily to ensure that, uh, you know, uh, I don't miss the mark, but I do miss the mark because I'm not perfect, but I work hard at uh, at what I do and I care about what I do. So, uh, yeah, I would say leadership. I I see that you care about what you do every time that you uh, you speak in our our meetings because I I, obviously I gravitate to you because – uh, by the way you speak about what you're speaking about. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. That was one of the reasons that I said, hey, let's let's talk. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, have yeah. a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So, Conrad, I'm a clergyman. I'm someone uh, of faith. could be any faith. And I want to reach out to you. What are some of the ways that I can hit you up and find out some resources about the VA? The first thing I would say is that get on the website, uh, www.va.gov. Pretty easy. Okay. Uh, once you get into that website, uh, you can navigate and find the Center for Faith. Reach out to us. We would love to connect with you so that we can partner with you. Uh, and that partnership can mean a, a lot of different things. Uh, but at the end of the day, we want to help you to help the veteran and their families. Gotcha. You're also on the road, too, a lot, right? You got some things coming up? We do. Uh, we do. I'm on the road uh, next week going to Illinois for the National Catholic uh, Conference. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, partner with the church in um, Nashville, Tennessee, Uh and then also I'm going later to a partner in uh, in uh, Iowa, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, for an event that we have. So we're on the road doing a lot of things, and uh, we're looking forward to it. What are some of the events? Are these events put on by the VA, or is it events put on by the local community? Um, basically, how can I find your schedule? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have it posted, but uh, if you reach out, uh, we, I would love to share it with you. And, and basically, these events are something that uh, we initiated through our partnerships uh, with, uh, with those uh external organizations uh, so that we can uh, do great things for the veterans. Gotcha. Some of the established, some of the relationships that you've already established. Pretty yes. Much. Gotcha, yes. Gotcha, yes. Gotcha. Cool. Conrad, what's one nonprofit or veteran in the veteran space that you think is doing really good things right now that it excites you? Wow. <laughs> I'm sure well, you run, I'm sure, I'm sure with yeah. your job, you run into a lot. Yeah. You know, th- th- there are many organizations that are doing uh, outstanding things, uh, small and large, I would say from a large standpoint. Uh, I love the Salvation of Army uh, because they are uh, they're all over. Absolutely, and they have such a such an impact on so many people. Uh, and after working with them, seeing how their heart uh, is and, and, and their mission and, and uh, how faithful they are to what they're doing, 
I would uh, I would say the Salvation Army would be uh, who I would think of uh, right off the bat as a big one. Yeah, gotcha. What yeah. is what is one that maybe someone might not know about? Uh, there's something called the Warrior's Journey, uh, and that's a uh, you can uh, research it. You can Google it. The Warrior's Journey. I met uh, these gentlemen at uh, at the roundtable I had in February. Uh, they uh, actually provide services to veterans and their families, uh, and uh, information as well. Uh, so I think that probably is one that people are not aware of, but they are very effective and uh, very, uh, very good place to go to for resource. Gotcha. As well, they're yeah. the, they're, they work on connecting veterans to resources. That's right. Them. That's gotcha. right. Yeah, the warrior's journey. Comrade, is there anything else that you'd like to add that I haven't asked that you think it's important to share to our listeners? I would just say that. Uh, you know, wh- whoever's listening, whether you're a veteran or someone who uh, wants to help veterans, I would just say reach out to your local uh, VA medical center uh, because you may be surprised at the resources that are available to you. I chose to be an outreach worker because of the fact that I've been there. I know what it is to be homeless. When I utilized my VI bill to get my house, that was like the biggest thing that ever happened to me in my whole life because they helped me get a piece of the American dream. Choose VA today. For more information, visit va.gov. So I hope through that entire interview, you got like the main ways how a clergy leader can get involved with the Center of Faith through partnerships, outreach events, and resources like handouts and, and, and the like. For more information on the VA Center of Faith and Opportunity Initiative, you can go to va.gov forward slash CFB partnerships with an S forward slash index dot ASP or email them directly at VA partnerships at VA.gov or you can call them at 202-461-7689. Again, this is a resource for clergy within your local area. And the Center of Faith recently had a pretty successful outreach event in Lebanon, Tennessee uh, earlier this month on July 1st. Uh, And you can see photos from that right on this episode's blog at blogs.va.gov. Just search Born the Battle in the search bar, search for episode 154, and it's right there. So this week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Army veteran Sidney Honeycutt. During World War II, Honeycutt was drafted into the U.S. Army and deployed to the Philippines with the 63rd Infantry Regiment, 6th Infantry Division. During the Battle of Luzon, Honeycutt fought the Japanese and was shot in his left hand. He lost two fingers and was later awarded a Purple Heart. Recently, the McCurtain County VA Clinic and the members of the local community gathered in Idabel, or Idabel, I'm going to go with Idabel, Oklahoma, to celebrate Sidney Honeycutt's 102nd birthday. The VA Clinic staff presented him with birthday cards, and he was presented a gift bag on behalf of VA Voluntary Service. Honeycutt has been a patient at the clinic since it opened in 2017, and Dr. Jose Gomez has served as his primary care physician. Thank you for your service, Sydney, and congratulations on that 102nd birthday. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov. 
include a short write-up. Uh, let us know why you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. Uh, for more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov. Follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Rally Point, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. I will not be here next week. I'm going back to Washington. I'm going on vacation. So for the next two episodes, you are going to get the vacation version of Born the Battle. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss those either. I've saved a couple rounds for those weeks, and there are some pretty, pretty, pretty good interviews. So stick around. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you right here next week. So if you're still listening, this is the very first Born the Battle after the show show. That's right. After the show show. Um, Conrad and I were talking here and uh, he told me a story about his time with Sergeant Major Kent. And I thought it was so good um, that if you're still listening after all the music and after the whole Born the Battle show, uh, you get this little bit of bonus. So. Without further ado, Conrad, what's your story about Sergeant Major Kent? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a short story, but, uh, you know, during my time as a Marine Corps drill instructor, I worked for Sergeant Major Kent. He was the uh, uh, Sergeant Major of the Recruit Training Regiment at the time. And so he sent me home because that day I was kind of uh, angry. I think it's a light word to put it at the recruits that I was uh, responsible for. And so I had them go outside with their mattresses on top of their head and go in circles and just repeat in unison, we stink, we stink. Uh, because I was pretty uh, pretty upset at him. I can't remember why. And uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, that's obviously... And they, and they weren't saying we stink, but that, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it PG. Yeah, 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 yeah. we'll keep it PG. Yeah. And so uh, obviously that's uh, inappropriate, uh, not the type of thing we want to do. And so Sergeant Major called me in off and said, hey, what are you doing? And, and he sent me home uh, to kind of clear my head. Uh, and could have been a, a career uh, ruiner, but uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, he, uh, again, provided leadership and uh, got me away from the situation. But, uh, yeah, it was good times back then. <laughs> Different times back then than they are now, I'm sure, as a drill instructor. But uh, that's a great story. So, uh, listeners, if you like stuff like this, let me know. Let me know you listen to this because this is on the very, very back end of the podcast. So if you're listening to this, man, I'm, I'm counting you as a loyal, dedicated listener. Uh, and just email me at podcast.va.gov. Let me know you listen to this. Let me know if you liked it or not. And if you did, uh, I'll start doing more and more of these. Thanks for listening. See you next week.